welcome guys to the MMOs.com podcast. Episode 134 here with Altai, joined this week by... Romare. And that is a, that's a quite a radio voice you got going on over there, you know. Uh-huh. People have phone voices, you got the radio voice that you only do for the intro to the podcast and you never use it again. Uh, it takes a lot of effort. I'd have to take training uh, courses to keep this up. It's Altai ASMR voice, all right? You can... You can Lull people to sleep with that, all right? $25 subscription gets you access to the ASMR stream. Thank you. Nice. Altai will whisper dirty, dirty things into your ear. All right, let's get started. <laughs> all right, hit up that weekly raid. We got a good one today, a very optimistic one. You know, we, we're usually pessimists here on the MOS.com podcast. This week, we're looking at the good, the good side of MMORPGs. It's a little bit of a, a ambitious weekly raid. Hopefully, you guys have some input because I, I can't think of much, but here we go. Can MMORPGs be used for good? Now, before we elaborate, we actually had a more uh, absurd title. It was, Can MMORPGs Save the World? That was our original title. And we settled for, Can MMORPGs Be Used for Good? Yeah, Omar, Omar uh, vetoed my original name and wanted something a little more down to earth. And let me tell you guys how I, the journey of how I came up with this idea. For the this. journey, the spiritual journey. Let's hear it. So we, Omar and I love Black Mirror. No spoilers, don't worry. But uh, new season's out, Netflix, great show. But it seems like every episode is basically, this new technology is great, but it's actually evil. That's like every episode, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's some in past seasons as well. They kind of, have, they touch on MMOs, right? Like VR, like Worlds or whatever, right? And it's always the same. It's always evil. It's always being used to kill people or ruin society. And it made me thinking, why, why does it have to always be that way? Why, is it possible for this new technology, these immersive worlds, whether VR or not, can be used for good? And uh, I start by talking about the recent uh, craze of VR chat, right? And how basically, I, personally, I haven't seen anything good come out of it yet. It's basically trolling, joking, like memeing, uh, just you know, r- just you know, debauchery of all of all sorts. Um, so it's, it, that seems like a good Black Mirror. Black Mirror seems to be on the right side if if what we see in VR chat so far is uh, is the way we go. But I'm curious out there. Do you guys have any ideas of how uh, MMOs can be used for good? Uh, we have a few personal examples, but I'll let you. Touch on it first, Tomar. All right. Well, uh, first, actually, I want to look at this. Um, I want to look at this article on Forbes, and it talks about um, a World of Warcraft entrepreneur's technology. Uh, how World of Warcraft? We we discussed before. Like, are there any examples of guild leaders in MMORPGs that like went places in companies? And this is actually pretty interesting because uh, this guy named John Hagel the Third. I mean, first of all, he's got he's the fucking third. Right? You're badass. We got a three in your name over there. Uh, he 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 became the chief information officer. For Starbucks, the youngest CIO of a Fortune 500 company at the time, and he was a World of Warcraft raid leader. Wow! And, um, yeah, he said, Hegel said he um, uh, everything that Gillette needed to know. Hegel said he learned while becoming a guild leader in the popular online game World of Warcraft. And he talks about you know needing to influence people. You know, guild leaders in World of Warcraft quote require a high degree of influence. So you know, it, we we found the example of somebody that actually applied. Their MMORPG leadership skills to uh, some actual getting a job and getting paid for doing stuff for so a change. I, I haven't read the article. Um, mm-hmm. Did his hiring process involve like did did um, the recruiter or him mention his guild position or was it like just a side thing? Like, like how involved was the uh, like? Did he go to he college? Attri- he, he, he went to college. He, okay. he got hired right out of college. He attributed his success on the oh. job and like what okay, he was okay. doing okay, to okay. his similarity with his with his leadership in World of Warcraft. Right. So it wasn't like a the, the guy hiring him. Yeah, was like the guy, they don't they don't know about it yet. You know, not yet, okay. not yet. They don't know they don't know how to you know process these skills just yet because you know right. MMORPGs in the grand scheme of like 
uh, human resources is still a very new concept, I would say. Mm-hmm. And this kind of reminds me of something we touched on in a previous podcast where he, um, a guy was interviewing for a position and he mentioned that he was a, a leader of one of the EVE alliances. Mm-hmm. And then you know, he, where he commanded thousands of people in battle and uh, his words were being translated into four different languages in real time, like you know, the Russian fleet, mm-hmm. whatever. And the guy who was hiring him or, re- or at least interviewing him was actually one of the, a member of one of the corps under his alliance. So that was pretty Wow. Funny. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But uh, back, back to a little more personal touch. Uh, mm-hmm. I recall stories, you know, I, I think we've all had this experience where, you know, sometimes in life, uh, we don't really have like a, a goal. You know, we wake up at 3 8 p.m. We don't know what we're doing. And MMORPGs can kind of fill that and give us a purpose for a while, right? Like, mm-hmm. I remember I used to leap out of bed at 6 a.m. in the morning on weekends so, so we can rush the computer and play Ultima Online or EverQuest. And I know a lot of people in uh, high school who played WoW like this. And, and we know a guy, he was basically a drug addict. And for the time, for the few years we played WoW, he'd play twelve hours a day of WoW, and he stopped doing drugs. And as soon as we all quit playing, he went he went back to heroin and OD. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, WoW kept him off drugs. Yeah, this is this is a real story. He was clean for like for like one and a half, two years playing World of Warcraft the all time. Not he would be in our basement every single day playing WoW. He was like mega addicted, obviously, but like he didn't do any drugs because he was with us all the time playing video games. And he went home to sleep, and that was it. And like we'd play nonstop, and he'd play at home sometimes too. And he was clean. He was he was kind of a failure in high school. And like <laughs> that's harsh. I mean, but but when he came to us, all right, he, MMORPGs kind of sheltered him in, in a different way. Okay, I'm not saying you know his life was great with you know playing MMORPGs all day, but it kept him away from hard drugs, and it, it went downhill after my brother and I both quit. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Penguin Powered and Chad has a great point. The, the double-edged part of this sword is um, I know a few people who dropped out of college or otherwise kind of stunted their adult life because of WoW and other games. Oh, Mono9122, thank you for those 100 bits. So it's definitely a double-edged sword. Um, handle with caution. MMOs may be addictive. It, it, it's made a commercial for like uh, MMOs, like the way they do for those drug commercials in America. Like the last like 30 seconds is about the side effects. <laughs> Don't play WoW if you have an addictive personality. Seek professional help before you know rating. <laughs> Otherwise, you may become addicted. <laughs> That'd be fun. Make sure you get tested for tuberculosis regularly <laughs> as it may uh, worsen your ability to fight off infections. You hear that in every single one of those drug commercials. But obviously, I think we all know the negative side effect of MMORPGs and addictive behavior in video games. And a lot of that goes to you know, not just MMORPGs. But, you know, let's focus on the positives because, yes, yeah, there yeah. are obviously many negatives to these as well. But actually, I was looking for some actual academic papers on this. I did find a few that support the idea that there are actual benefits for playing MMORPGs. So this article I linked to you, uh, it's on Science Direct. They actually really good collection of basically all, like, scientific studies. You can search by keyword. And I searched via MMORPG, and there are hundreds of studies on MMORPGs. This is called The Effects of Collective MMORPG Play on Gamers Online and Offline Social Capital. So there's a lot to digest there. But if you scroll down to the highlights, you can just read some of those out loud, won't they? All right. <clears throat> highlights here. Collective MMORPG play positively influences gamers' online social capital. Uh, let's take this one at a time. So I guess what they're trying yeah. to say is people who play MMORPGs are better at talking to other people online. Online, yes. Okay. Uh, collective MMORPG play elicits positive impact on offline civic engagement. That is a surprise this one, I am confused by this one because I was because this is implying that people who play MMORPGs collectively as a part of a guild that's what the collective means over there some kind of group or a guild it's suggesting that they are actually they have a positive offline civic engagement i mean that means they're voting more you know they're participating in the, like in their in their community more 
which is pretty insane. Like, I, I don't think, I never thought somebody who plays World of Warcraft or any of my Final Fantasy XIV guildmates are any more civically engaged than anyone else. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that either. Uh, that was okay. interesting. Effect of collective play on offline bonding, social capital is not significant. That one gets shut down. People say that, you know, it develops your social skills. Yeah, it does online, but not offline. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, next one, effect of collective play on offline bridging social capital is not significant. Uh, so same sure. thing. Basically, yeah. your social capital doesn't translate to the real world. Effect mm -hmm. on online social capital on offline social capital is not... Okay, same thing. So basically, it, as long as you stick to the chat rooms, your wild time <laughs> will be beneficial. All right? Mm -hmm. And there's one other study on there, something uh, a, a bit similar. There's a lot of like other studies like related to other aspects of RPGs that are all really interesting, but this also covers uh, the social benefits and more particular, more specifically, the effects of um, playing MMORPGs on, on for older people mm -hmm. on their social capital. All right, let's, let's see what we got here. Highlights: Playing yeah. MMORPGs provides older adults many opportunities to increase their social interactions. Yeah, that sounds mm -hmm. like that seems like pretty obvious. All right, older adults have developed higher level of bridging social capital in WoW, but lower level of bonding social capital. Okay, it's a little comp. What does bridging mean? I don't know. Uh, number three, enjoyment of relationships has deep impacts on older adult social capital in MRPGs. Yeah, and this is a study based on 222 older adults who are age 55 plus living in North America playing World of Warcraft. So if you're an old dude playing, you know, if you're, if you're a lonely old man, MRPGs are a great place to be. Or, or an older lady. I actually had a very old uh, gentleman in my WoW guild. He was the, uh, he was a... Uh, a ranger, whatever the range class is called, hunter, and, mm -hmm. and hearing him on voice chat was like one of the joys of raiding with that guild. He was just sound like a, the cliche cranky old man, and he'd always like he'd always be mad at somebody, blame somebody. He he was pretty slow, like his DPS wasn't good, but it was just funny to, just hearing him like complain about other people. Was he was his, how was his performance? Bad as a below average. Bad, yeah, yeah. But well, I mean, did I, did, why, why didn't he get the boot? You guys were not try hard guilds. We weren't that try hard. We we only cleared we cleared MC and a few bosses in the mm -hmm. other the layer Blackwing layer. Blackwing layer. Yeah. But what is the oldest person you've played uh, MMORPGs with? Probably I have him. noticed though. Probably. Yeah, him. we do see older people in, more so in MMORPGs than I think any other genre of like video games. At least yeah. from my experience, definitely. the average MMORPG player is definitely much older. Especially look at a game like Eve Online. Like when I play League, I, I ask people sometimes how old they are, right? And I'm always like the oldest person when I play League with people. But when I ask people, like, in my Final Fantasy groups randomly, like, how old people are, I get much older answers on average. <laughs> That's not, treating the old man like a mascot. Well, he, he, he kind of was, like, the cranky old man of the group. I think we mm -hmm. only kept him around because he was just so funny to listen to. Uh, but, yeah, but these studies are interesting. Wow. One of, the, one of my FF, Final Fantasy 14 regulars was 60. 60 older, I imagine. So a lot of people, we have, a lot of people have experience playing with older, you know. And I think MMORPGs are, are a good medium for that, you know. Because you can play MMORPGs at an older age where reaction speed doesn't become, like, the super most important thing. Because even if you're raiding, like, even, like, the most difficult raids in Final Fantasy, like, you're talking, like, an older person is more capable of doing that than playing CSGO competitively. Like, he, he has a chance of learning the mechanics in a tough boss fight in WoW or Final Fantasy 14 more so than being able to aim consistently in CSGO. Yeah, that, the CSGO thing is never going to happen, or League of Legends yeah. is never going to happen. Because the actual reaction speed is much different. Now, there's one more study on here. Uh, totally unrelated to, you know, take a look. Take a look. I mean, it is actually related, but I, I just found the, the headline absolutely absurd. Okay, here we go. Motivational characteristics of Turkish MRPG players. What? 
this... Now, there's a study. I, I just, I, I laughed when I read the first highlight. Okay. Self-determination theory, SDT, accounted for the motivations of play. So, Turkish people are playing Night Online for their own self-determination, right? That gives them some meaning in life, to play Night Online. I, I don't get it. I don't either. I just thought, I just thought it was absurd. But who is studying the motivational characters of Turkish MMORPG players? What a, like, there is, there is, there are, there's government money being spent on you. So you're not yours. People in Turkey's tax dollars are probably being are going towards funding this nonsense. I'm confused. I like the last one though. Teamwork has been given less importance in comparison to other motivations. So Turkish people are not team players, and we can actually account for that with Altai. All right, he is the least teamwork worthy person you want on your Dota team. If Altai's in your, if Altai, if Altai's in your team. If he loses lane, he's throwing. Alright, he's out. He's done. He gives no fucks about you. I can't help it. It's my genetics, bro. Look, I gotta study backing me up. It's you, not my you fault. You study backing it up. Yeah, <laughs> you're absolved of responsibility, alright? Altai is not a team player. Okay, to talk more about my personal experience, um, you know, I think a lot of people watching, or at least a lot of people who were deep in MMORPGs like, like we were, weren't like the most social people in real life, right? I think that's mm -hmm. fair. Like, in high school, I basically just... For me, I turned my brain off until I got back home from school. Like, I was kind of going through the motions, but I wasn't like really engaging in school or with like, you know, real life friends much. But it was really MMORPGs and online communities that taught me how to interact with people. Like in, in WoW, our guild always had, we had drama. We had people like quit the, you know, like, uh, the guild and like five guys would follow him out, you know, like this, the political dynamics and stuff. And that was my first experience dealing with like gossip and like uh, inter uh, group infighting. And I think an important part of like becoming an adult is learning to navigate those waters because you're going to deal with weird people in your life right and you have to know who to kind of you know distance yourself from what kind of friends you want to have you know it's very important who you decide to engage with and if i didn't play wow and deal with those kind of people and realize you know this skill is not for me this this guy needs to get you know kicked out if i didn't deal with that in a game i don't think i would have ever learned those skills so i'm glad i had the experience i did uh you know with whether it's online chat rooms or mrpgs just dealing with weird and, people. And not only that, I think being able to deal with weird people and sketchy people online is a much better experience to deal with them in real life. Yeah, it's yeah. a much more low-cost way. Because yeah. if you meet somebody in real life and like you kind of become friends with them, like and you realize they're an asshole, it's much harder in real life to be like, okay, I don't want to talk to you anymore, right? Then it isn't like in a more PG. You can just kind of block them or just stop talking to them. And yeah. you learn to cut your losses with people online very quickly. And it's hard to do in, in real life if you know somebody. And not just that. We, we've talked about scamming in the past. I mean, Alta and I... Our first experience in Ultima, one of our early experiences when we were little youngins, I think I was like 12 or something, we're playing Ultima Online. We spent all day cutting trees, skinning animals, selling our logs, our boards. We were saving up money to buy a house. This one asshole uh, in Vesper, the town we were in, he scammed us for like all the gold we had. We had like 20K. We needed 40K to buy a house because that was what the vendor would sell it for. He's like, I got a cheap house for you, man. I got a deal. He's slick talker and he, he traded us a book. And you, could, you, could, you could actually change the title of a book if you want to, whatever you want, but it looks like a book. And I'm like, dude, that's a book. That's not a house. Like, oh, no, trust me. It's a house. Click on it. You click on it. And the title of the book is like a house, a redeeded house or something. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, he wouldn't be lying to me. He's, he's on the internet, right? People don't tell lies on the internet. Like, dude, trust me. We're good. You know, you're golden. You, you, you got to get this deal quick. Otherwise, somebody else will buy it. I'm like, all right, fine. Take all my money. And we gave him our money. And we got scammed. And it, I, I honestly believe that taught me a very valuable lesson, which I carry with me today. Like the experience of interacting with assholes online and scamming, you realize people aren't always honest. And, and people just do what they can for themselves. And you understand, you know, if, if you fell for that in real life, people do fall for scams in real life. They lose thousands of dollars. But I, I learned my lesson relatively cheaply. 
you know, a week, a week's worth of me skinning animals and cutting logs. But I, I think it's unbelievably valuable. Yeah, it's surprising how many lessons you just have to learn the hard way in life. Mm -hmm. and, and obviously, if you could simulate those hard experiences in a game or a virtual world, like it's it's better than having to experience them in real life. Like I know I have a lot of friends who are going to lose money in this Bitcoin mania. They got in late, they put a lot of money in, and then they're going to lose it all. But I can't talk them out of it because some of them just haven't had the experience of this kind of loss. You know, like so. I I really think you need to you know hit that low before you realize you know not to fall for it again in the future. Yeah, I mean, you, you can read about it, you can listen to your friends about it, but until you have that personal experience, it's impossible to really feel it and you know learn from it. Yeah, and yeah, in chat, a lot of people have similar experiences. That's good to know that we're not outliers here. Mm -hmm. All right, fun times. So, so do I have another fun study for us? Am I looking? Do you guys think there's any future use of MMORPGs for good? So not like this, uh, not the personal stuff we talked about, but like. Could it be used in like prisons to like I don't know like get people to be social with each other instead of like shanking each other? Like imagine no. imagine yeah. block cells had to do like uh, like ten on ten uh, PVP matches or like they had to raid together like against a uh, PVE like a boss. Would the teamwork make them like not shank each other? <laughs> like, I think if you're saying like in house league versus like five v five, no, they're just gonna yell at each other, right? Because like yeah. if, if your cellmate. Or the guy like on your team is doing shit. You, you're gonna shank that guy, so you get a new team, a new teammate, right? You know, if, um, if you have one shit on your team, someone's got to bite the bullet and shank him and get a new reroll teammate. But if you're talking maybe PVE experience, yeah, I, th I think it could bring people together. It's kind of cool. Like imagine like you're uh, you're raiding right, and like you're you're, you're high fiving your uh, teammate because you guys did something, but instead of being like a high elf wizard, he's actually like white and, and you're black and like you hate each other in the prison, right? Like different gangs. But then you go, oh, maybe we're not so different. And then you all become friends. Ooh, deep. <laughs> this is, uh, so we looked at an article about Chinese prisoners being forced to farm World of Warcraft gold. Now, as silly as that sounds, I'm pretty sure there's less violence in Chinese prisons than there are in American prisons, all right? I'm sure I, I, it gives it, it gives us something to do. And I don't know, I, I think, uh, I think, it's, I think if people play more Maple Story in prison, all right? If prisoners are required to, to grind the Maple Story for like eight hours a day, I think, I think, I think it'll lower their testosterone, all right? There'll be less violence for sure. I, I think uh, making someone play Maple Story for like three years would make sure that guy never does a crime again when he gets out. He's like, no, 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 no more, no more. I don't want to go back. <laughs> oh, you know, it'd be hilarious if judges pass sentences based on Maple Story grind. So like we're talking old school Maple Story pre-Big Bang, right? And it's like for the for, for this robbery, you are sentenced to getting level 110 in Maple Story, you know? And you, you and you're in jail time. You you can you you're in jail until you get to level one ten, which in old school Maple Story will take fucking forever, all right? For like if you if you commit murder, you have to get like fifteen characters level two fifty before you get out, which basically means life in prison. That'd be amazing. That if if life, if sentences in prison were based on Maple Story grind, that would be something. But, be, that'd be that's a good Black Mirror episode right there. All right? Then there'd, there'd be like one like this this one like five foot Asian guy who like just gets away with murder because he can he's just he's just amazing at grinding. Like he finds he knows the best spots, you know. And he just he kills somebody, he gets to level two hundred, no problem, gets out. He, he, he has a USB sticks with him that have like uh, back hacks on them and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Please have mercy. Just uh, I mean, grinding to level two fifty in Maple Story is definitely uh. Or something else, and it's gotta be on the old school version, not this new, uh, new age shit. Or right? it's too easy now. All right, back in back in the day, getting two hundred Maple Story would take like literally tens of thousands of in-game hours, and do that multiple characters. All right. 
I, I, I have a I have a story that kind of bridges this. It's not. It's it's they're trying to use gaming for good, but mm-hmm. it's a really weird way to use it. All right, here we go, guys. Right, go I, I, I want to know what you guys think of this story. Let's hear it. The U.S. Army uh, and Homeland Security are making a game to train teachers how to respond to school shootings. So there's there's this video game being worked on by uh, by uh, you know the government of America. Basically, it's one teacher plays the role of the student with a gun, and every all the other teachers have to be like teachers, and they have to like guide the students out, lock the lock down the school. Isn't this weird? Like, it's only in America is this a thing. Holy shit, dude! That that guy sucks at aiming. Why is that shooting that kid? Did you see that? Go back to the beginning. Did you see the kids running down the hallway? This asshole with a gun literally just whiffed every bullet. This guy clearly needs to up his FPS game. All right, he got up his uh, KDR ratio. Holy shit! Some whiff city. What it's is cra- going on? This is so weird. Well, I mean, to be fair, um, a lot of these school shooters are really awful shooters. Like, I, I always read the headlines like, "Oh, school shooting." This scene, this, look, look at the scene right here. This nonsense right here in this scene. I, in the video. I, I know. I know. What yeah, well, I think I know. Yeah. yeah. But but if you look at their actual numbers, this is pretty realistic. You know, these guys aren't trained Navy SEALs. You know, they're just like yeah. nervous kids with like you know, with like usually they're like super. They have no muscle or anything, so they can barely hold the gun. The recoil like knocks them around. So, you know, they only get a few shots in. I mean, it's not, I'm not surprised that, um... I'm looking at this video, too, and this role teacher, like, I feel like optimal players just jump out the window and get the fuck out. But they all run to the corner. Well, you know what? Uh, I'm sure the Homeland Security has done their, um... Has done their I, I can't believe this is a real thing. Yeah. Like, I can't believe this is so necessary that we have to do this. Oh, this picture, this, this, this lady who's the teacher is playing is on a Razer keyboard. She's a tryhard. You see that? She was on a Razer keyboard. She had, our, she had uh, the glowing keyboard, the glowing green. Yeah, this is so sad. Every other country in the world has solved this problem. Not through simulations of shootings, but maybe by making it harder to get like big guns like assault rifles. Hmm. I but still don't understand no politics. why the teacher playing the gunner is just, is just so bad at the game. Like We saw another scene where the guy's walking with a revolver down the hallway and there's eight kids. He doesn't even shoot. What are you, what are you doing? You know what the best part of this is? If you read the YouTube comments... Uh, Everyone's like, dude, they, does this have leaderboards? Is there a ranking system? <laughs> People want to queue as a shooter and just see who can do best. <laughs> oh, I got, I got this. Player unknown school shooting grades. All right, here's how it works. Uh, 100 people. One guy gets a shooter. Like 90, 90 people get uh, students. And 10 mm-hmm. people become teachers. And, and, and you just see the stats at the end. All right? See how, see how long you survive. Yeah. But, but what's crazy is a game like that would get so much like social hatred. Like it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't fly. But PUBG's okay. We kill each other. It's okay. That's a DLC. <laughs> it's coming, boys. <laughs> I just, we should have a ranking system and a leaderboard. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, can, can I pirate this game? Can we? Can I do a first look? I want to play. I want to try. I wonder if it'll leak. Probably. I, I bet you'd be like so janky and like shitty. But I, would, I definitely would want to try it. It, just, yeah. it is such a bizarre story, though. I agree. Twisty said in, uh, he's surprised that people don't just tackle the dude. And there's no way, dude. If like, if the guy's got a gun, you know, you don't want to be the murderer. Uh, or especially because if you're like a 15 year old kid, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna think to just tackle the guy. Uh, real question: What is he shooting at in that scene with the kid running? The- I can't get over that scene. Go back to that scene. I want, I want to loop that scene for a moment. All right. I, let's let's dive uh, into the mind this of this player. All right, at the beginning, right? Yeah. When he, when he runs down the hallway, what is he shooting at? He shoots three times, and this kid on the in the hall, he's down to the left. I just don't understand what's going on in that picture. Like, 
Are you have you never like played an FPS game before? I think you'd be surprised. I've actually um, this scene. I, I actually yeah. watched like this video on this on the shooter. This like young white guy, right? He made like this suicide tape and everything, and he was yeah. awful. Like he, then there was like leaked training. Uh, there was leaked videos of him training at the gun range, right? Mm-hmm. And he had like the bottles up, right? He missed one hundred percent of his shots. He shot like thirty rounds, a, a very close distance, and he missed every single one. And and this leaked because it leaked after you know he killed himself and shot some people. But, I've never been shooting. Uh, I fired airsoft guns. Does that count? Is that is that somewhat realistic or no? I mean, anyone's held a real gun, maybe. But I I, I want to go to a shooting range. I want I want I want to see if it's this hard because you know I, I've played PUBG, I've played CS, I've played net combat arms, played all this shit, and I that guy, it, it, fucking awful. All right. I I think the shooter is under so much like stress and like nervousness, you know. So I think I think it's I I don't think they're like Navy well, yes, SEALs going in there and like just getting the maximum number of. Head, I'm you know. criticizing the, the people in the video the video game. Obviously, in real life, there's a lot more goes into a school. Maybe they're simulating the the yeah. the panic. I don't know. Who knows. Uh, so, uh, so every time I miss in PUBG from now on, I was simulating the panic of shooting another individual. Actually, right? yeah, it's a good, that's a good point. Uh, if you know, a lot of people who don't play shooters have started playing PUBG for the first time, right? Their first shooter, mm-hmm. and if you see, they're, they're they're so panicked. Like, there's so many players on PUBG, new players, that when they hear gunshots or they see another player, they panic. They just like squirt them around, shoot up, you know. Like, so it's definitely realistic to think, um, you know, people would miss shots like that. Whew, that is that is weird. I thought that was a great a story. Interesting, interesting story. Now, relate to this story. Do you think more PTs will be ever used for like a virtual classroom? Because I feel like that's the dream for the Second Life and a few other games I've kind of like toyed with for a while, like a, a, like online learning, but in an MMO environment. No, I don't think so. Like a, maybe even a VR environment. I don't think so because, because I think the kids who would actually need this are the kids who kind of like need help learning, right? Like they're not self-starters. And if you're not a self-starter and you're and you're in a virtual classroom, you're gonna dick off. You're gonna like all tab. You're gonna be on your phone. Well, do you think it's easier to uh, dick off? Like did, we have online classes today. Yeah, and, like and real just dick off. I think. Schools. Yeah, but do you think you're gonna dick off more if they're required to be there in a virtual environment? Like if you if you're required to put the headset on and they can see when you're there, I think you're more likely to pay attention if you're you know required to self learn on your own. Like it, oh. it, I, it's, I think you can bridge the gap between online education today and classrooms today. But how do they know your headset's on? Imagine you, you're powered it up. You put the headset on. Then you kind of tilt it up, and you're on your phone. How can they tell? I don't know. Yeah. But even then, even yeah, you could. But you're also more likely. If, there's no checks on anything when you're just doing online classes anyway. Just chat room usually. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a little better because, like I said, you'd have, you'd have to tilt the thing up and maybe tilt it back down once in a while to check. Uh, but I think kids, the kids who actually need it the most, are the most likely yeah. to not pay attention. And the kids who are self starters anyway will just go on Khan Academy or something and just do it now. Like, I don't know. I, I think there's a benefit there for, for MMOs to do good right there. I mean, you can't have it like VR chat where people are allowed to have their own skins because then people will be bringing like tentacle monsters into the classroom, and that's a no-go. <laughs> Skuma Party asks uh, the relevant question here. Would teachers allow the use of Naruto avatars in class? <laughs> <laughs> only only if you pay like the, the tuition plus. Like College is going to have like microtransactions, all right? The regular default tuition only gives you like no, no avatars. But if you pay the bonus, you can get custom avatars and other... Loot box and other crates. All right, pay to win is gonna happen. IRL as well. I just, I, I just imagine the teacher trying to like get get attention, like get the class's attention. Like, uh, Barney, sit down. Like, uh, Power, Red Power <laughs> Ranger, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah but I, no, I'm actually, can... I'm actually curious what you guys think would be are some potential use cases 
for doing good in the world with MMOs. So leave a comment and hope if there's any good ones, I will read them next week. You know, we, we read a lot of this. Also, another thing we kind of missed on was um, maybe not really a good in the same sense, but people get married, I think, in MMORPGs and online like MMOs more so than any other genre of like gaming. Like you hear, st we've heard so many stories about EverQuest, World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy XIV. People get married in real life, and that's a weird. That's that's a level of commitment and engagement that you'll never see in like, you know, you'll see in League of Legends because only the game is so big that some people are going to get married out of it. But I think as a percentage of players, like it's the most engaging kind of game. Yeah. You know? So and you get so invested in your character, it becomes like a virtual world. It, it becomes a glorified chat room. We've mentioned this before, but I think like the pinnacle of the internet really. I think it's been just chat rooms like MRPGs, Discord. Like these are just chat. MRPGs are just chat rooms with extra layers, and people play and they get their meaning from these games because of the relationships and the people they meet in these games. So, I don't know. It's 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 weird to think of that, but it, I don't know. The internet equals chat room basically. That's the that's the greatest thing that came out of the internet. It's just glorified chat rooms. Yeah, yeah. I think games are just like kind of like prompts within the chat room. Like, yeah. Imagine you're in a chat room and once like every ten minutes, it's like talk about computers yeah talk about you know like this that's all based on a challenge in mrpg or like housing raids whatever it's just like something to focus around you know it gives you something to bitch about you know like yeah. the latest patch notes fuck my character got nerfed this game sucks where people like people like to bitch about that stuff together indeed it's definitely brought people together uh more so than any other genre but i mean mm -hmm. and i i think there's less toxicity as well in mrpgs you know, you look at a game like CSGO, Battle Royale, uh, League of Legends, Dota. There's a lot of fucking toxicity. People hate each other in those games. They, they threaten to kill each other. I, I don't think you see that level of toxicity in RPGs. I, I think you do, depending on the game. Really? I, I follow but Eve. Why would you? I follow Eve, and there's so much toxicity. Like, this, like there was this... I talked about that guy who, like, um, his, like, fun room or something. He, he talks people into, like, ruining their life. Yeah. In, in a game. It's just so weird. Uh, so I, think, I don't think you need, you need Eve online for that. Like that guy is just a psychopath. Maybe, but, but I'm the saying mechanics in video in MMORPGs, there's less like investment into like one particular like event. Like if you lose a game of competitive league or like rank league, you get pissed off. If you wipe a few times and like in your raid in Final Fantasy or WoW, you just leave that group. Or you just try again later. It's it's not like a, this this permanent loss to your stats or something. Yeah, but I mean, Eve, Eve does have permanent like stat loss. Eve, Eve is more hardcore. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and so, th that's probably an exception. And Eve is less popular than you know other like the World of Warcraft, for example. Yeah, or maybe yeah, FF14 yeah. even. Mm -hmm. And there's drama and stuff too, but I think there's less uh, less anger. Like I I've played a lot of MMORPG. I see less anger. People people always like call people retarded and stuff like, but nowhere near the level of animosity in League. The level of of just hate that flows to people's veins in games like Dota, Battle Royale, and League of Legends is insane. Like. These people are like, are, are sick. I, I love trolling them in response, but like, I don't know, there's a lot of anger, anger issues, not like competitive gaming. You, you know what it comes down to? It kind of what we talked about at the beginning, where I think mm -hmm. a lot of gamers, like the ones who play a lot, never learned. Oh, we got a subscription. Burning Mice, thank you so much. Much appreciated, fam. But I was saying, um, I think a lot of people didn't learn uh, good common empathy skills. Like, when, if, if someone sees someone else fail to use their move right in League, right? Mm -hmm. They assume yeah. they would have done it in their position, but they don't yeah. remember that they also make mistakes. Mm -hmm. So like they project this like if, if someone else doesn't play perfectly, it's his fault. But if I mess because up, it it's only natural. That. But you don't have that level of you know your mistakes impact me. 
in, in MMORPGs. Yes, there are raids, I, right? And in it, raids, it happens. Yeah. But but what happens in raids is it's less of a commitment. You can just leave, you know. Yeah. You can just uh, well, you can just leave in league like I do. No, but, but you feel like you can't though because you. Well, I don't feel that way. Those points. Okay, I, you're you're an exception. I think most really? people just leave a game. Most people when they lose a rank game in league, they they get kind of mad. Like, I don't know. But that's and, but the, then that that fault is on them. If you're getting mad in the but game, but league has fostered that environment. Like there there, there are um, competitive mechanics in league that, that, that you know that that, that that can happen. That doesn't happen in MRPGs as much. I really think though there's gonna be a. And it's a person's fault. I agree. It's, it's a person's fault. Okay. If. Okay, I'm, I, don't, I don't want to leave the bait. I'm not going to justify leaving, but I will say this. If you ever find yourself getting, like, blood-boiling mad, okay, in a league game or Dota game or whatever game, yeah, just leave. Yes, you'll take some internet points going down, right? But it's so much better for your psychological health and for everyone involved if you just leave. Take this MMA points or whatever, okay? Take the loss. Oh, Thai Cheese with that Twitch Prime. Thank you so much. It's more than that, though. Again, because these things escalate. Because if I feel like if you leave, you're kind of admitting defeat. Because like, here's where here's how here's how toxicity always starts. You know, person A messes up, right? Person B calls him a fucking faggot for messing up, right? And like, he tells me he's bad. Now, person B goes back, checks up his stats on on lol profile over master Overwatch, whatever website, and says, lol, you 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 know, you're platinum one piece of shit. I'm, my main is diamond two. You fucking suck. And it just goes back and forth, and they're just yelling at each other. And now, when these two are yelling at each other. All the people get dragged into this into this toxic nonsense too. The three other players in the team are like, "Shut the fuck up and play!" And then everyone just yells at each other, and no one's playing the game anymore. And if you leave at that point, it's almost like that guy is still calling you a faggot. And if you leave, you admit defeat, and but you are the faggot if you leave. <laughs> Why are you, right, you the faggot? To, you have to prove to that faggot that you know. <laughs> how is this constructive? You're not bad. It's I like not constructive. How, I like how I'm the bad guy in this situation for leaving. Yeah, you're the bad. Don't fucking leave. <laughs> you gotta stay. You gotta stay and and, and fight it out. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me if I don't want to be a part of this shit fest, you know. It becomes a shit fest, but again, it doesn't happen in more PGs nearly as much because there's there's little reason to do that. Again, I've met awful players while raiding in Final Fantasy 14. I've met a lot of awful players, and like sometimes I'll kick them out and say like, "Why'd you kick me?" I'll say because you're bad, right? And then he'll be like, "Look at your, I looked up your your stats on event logs. You know, you got only these fucking shit stats. Uh, you calling me bad? Whatever. You know, it, it never really gets bad beyond like that one sentence of rage. It's always that one sentence of rage, and it's done. Versus League and Overwatch, people are just non-stop yelling at each other my favorite is when somebody at the end of a game whether it's overwatch league they add they add you to their friends list right so they can keep talking shit right the, the spew of shit that they, <laughs> they threw at you in game wasn't enough they got to take it to the after game and, and then they'll, people go back and forth for like for hours just, just talking shit it's, i've had, it's I've had dota games like that yeah it's lonely chris it's something else you gotta stand your ground exactly look if someone if someone to throw shit at me i'm ready to fight all right i'm defending my ground it, it, the psychology is amazing. There are so many good yeah. Dota games. I wish I recorded for this purpose. Like, you, do you think if you think if League has these recorded, they're gonna be used in like future lectures on like just like like juvenile psychology. psychology? Not even yes. human, like un, like untrained human, like juvenile psychology. Because I really think there are a lot of these people just missed certain phases of development in like school. Like either they like played games or watched anime all day in school, uh, like we did, and they just they just. Never picked up what, on those social cues. Like they say, if you don't like learn to like speak in the first few years of your life, like as a baby, you hear language, it's just a lot harder for your, that part of your brain to develop. So I really think a lot of these ragers or like these people who just get so angry over games, they just, a part of their brain just didn't develop like how to deal with humans. Uh, and just an amazing example. And that actually goes back to our discussion about can MMOs be used for good? Yes. If there's ever like this treasure trove of data 
from just the league raging, because there's so much raging in League of Legends. If they can ever analyze that data and maybe get something constructive out of it, like how to like spotting like toxic behavior, maybe we can understand why this happened, study who's doing it. Yeah, maybe something will come out of it in the end. And I think Don made a funny comment as well, but like in Hearthstone, it's a game where you literally can't talk to your opponent. Like there's no chat box, right? But you can still communicate via like spamming emotes at them. Like a mistake was made. A mistake was made. Or you just spamming some <laughs> bullshit emotes to them, right? And people will get mad over that. Like a game where you can't even, there's no text box to communicate and you can just mute them where you can't even see their emotes anymore. People like add each their friends list afterwards just to talk shit. In Hearthstone, why? It's a 1v1 game and there's, you know, there's RNG. You can always blame RNG anyway. It's just, it's so bizarre. I don't know. But what's surprising, I think, is a game like PUBG doesn't suffer from this toxicity problem. Like, yes, you have the weird cancerous lobby where people just say the dumbest shit, right? But when you lose a, a game in PUBG, rarely do you ever get mad. And if you get mad, you, you know, you, you go to the next game and if you get mad, you look at the replay, ah, oh, that was bullshit, I couldn't see him, ah, well, what the fuck? And, and, and you'll stop after like a minute of, you know, like self-raging. Like, it never gets bad in, in, in uh, PUBG versus Overwatch, League, and Dota. And the game is so popular. So I, I think... I, you you might be right. The game. You might be right. And I personally don't have any friends who I know that get mad at it. But <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contest it just on this. I've met... I've, secondhand, I've heard people complaining about hackers. In PUBG. Yes, they complain. Yeah, of course. They, they, yeah, everyone complains about hackers. So I think, they get, I think people get mad because now there's so many hackers that even if they die to a legit player... They just get mad about it and blame hackers. No, but, but, but you can actually check if they're hacking now because when you die, there's death cam now. And if your whole oh. squad dies, you can see who killed you. And if okay. you die to a hacker, you can report them. And like you kind of know, like the worst part is not knowing if someone's hacking or not. And, and I think the death cam in PUBG kind of got rid of that ambiguity for the most part. Okay. But I think there's still a lot less rage in PUBG. Again, it's 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 amazing. My, it's still one of my favorite things about PUBG is that pre-game lobby of utter cancerous meme bullshit. It is. I live for it. I've been playing a lot of PUBG these last few weeks. And I don't know. That's that's the highlight of my PUBG game. Usually, there's that nonsense that happens at the beginning, on the plane, everything. I don't know if we touched on it last week, but uh, speaking of PUBG, there's a beautiful clone uh, of PUBG in VR. Oh, share it. It's got a great name. Yeah, the name of this game, guys, is Battle for the Last Chicken. <laughs> that is a, a plus name. Only from China. Only from China we get a name called Battle for the Last Chicken. It's it's basically a VR ripoff of uh, PUBG. And they have the balls to charge money for this. It costs five bucks. Now, my favorite part about this game is uh, if you look at the, the the Steam icon for on the top, on the right side, you can see the guy in the VR headset sitting down. Do you see how many pans he got defending his junk? He's got like three pans. He's got <laughs> yeah, pans all has, over him. He has five pans. There's actually two below the three. If you can, if you Ooh, take a look. This guy's got pan gaming. Yeah, here we go. Let me, let me, let me zoom in on this guy. This is battle for the last chicken, guys. This, this is, is a quality China PUBG clone. I think PUBG really created uh, like this chicken dinner meme. Uh, you, you were even telling me like they should open a like a PUBG themed restaurant that serve, serve chicken dinners. Uh, good question. As a as a as a pop up shop at like Pax or something, they they should do that. Yeah, like, like a little booth at Pax. Yeah, would, sell chicken dinner. If PUBG themed. If you were at a convention or a tournament for gaming, and there was mm -hmm. like a food cart and it, it had the PUBG like you know banner on it and the character, and it said player chicken. unknown chicken sh dinners or something, or chicken, chicken shack. shack. Would you? Would you go some there? Candies, some some chicken legs, some rotisserie. Oh I, hell yeah, I'd go there. Me too. Blue, Blue Hole could license that shit and make mad mad money. Well, I, I I unfortunately have not played this game. I don't want to pay five bucks for it, but uh, it is out there, guys. If any of you are uh, curious. Uh, this actually uses a good pivot to uh, I think one of the, my the most interesting read I've seen 
all week is the article you wrote yesterday about uh, Fortnite being the being arguably or possibly one of the most popular game in the West. So yeah, go ahead and share that. Yeah, this is a fun story. Um, so in an interview with uh, Eurogamer, the uh, one of the head guys at Fortnite, uh, first they bragged about their new numbers. They said um, that they were uh, there are over 40 million players now, with a peak concurrent player base of over 2 million players. That is insane. Over 2 million people are playing Fortnite. Now battle that, Royale. that makes it clearly the top uh, Battle Royale game in the West. And I know Player Unknown's Battlegrounds has over 3 million, but over 60% of those players are from mainland China. So the claim here by Fortnite was that they are the biggest Battle Royale game in the West, and that's undisputable. But the second claim they had is they may very well be the biggest game overall in the West. Uh, the only um, contest they would have is League of Legends, which, Omar, I think you had the numbers for how many players they have monthly. Yeah, 100 million monthly active uh, players as of their last update, and I actually add that to the article. And that's in comparison to... Um... This uh, PUBG says they have forty million players. Fortnite has forty million. For, Fortnite has forty million players. So PUBG's monthly active number is hundred million, but we don't know the exact split between uh between you know how many players in Korea, how many players in China, how many players in the West. Exactly. So it, yeah, it is possible that it's up there, but my gut still says uh, League of Legends is a bit more. I'm gonna go with Fortnite. I think uh it's obviously League is bigger overall, but I yeah. believe League is super big in China and in Korea. Mm-hmm. Or, and you know, so so over sixty percent of the players, I believe, are from those two markets. Um, and I suppose it depends how they count. Like, is Turkey in the West? Because I know Turkey has their own server for the league, which is kind of surprising. If you look at the data right now, actually, you can see on Twitch. I mean, I find Twitch is an interesting proxy for player base. It's not perfect, obviously, but uh, number of people watching League of Legends right now is one hundred ninety thousand, and Fortnite is number two uh, on Twitch right now at uh, ninety six thousand nine hundred eighty seven. So Whoa. League is still like about double that, but again, a lot of that is due to Tyler One coming back and getting a massive audience. So I don't know how much oh, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, if those people could be watching something else on League of Legends, I don't know. But Fortnite is huge, and people kind of play down just how big Fortnite is, and the fact that it's being it's free to play obviously helps a lot too. But it, I, I was mind blown when I when I read that there was two million concurrent people playing Fortnite, and it was the biggest uh, battle royale game in the West. And a lot of us kind of forget that China is a huge part of PUBG, and sixty percent of PUBG's audience is from China, which is nuts. Yeah, and there's actually been some uh, um, pushback from the community. The community is really mad about uh, the you know, Chinese players. Um, mm -hmm. Almost all the hackers are from China. The, the hacks are made mm -hmm. in China. And a, a lot of players in the West basically want uh, the Chinese players to just be you know, segmented to their own server, not be allowed to play on, on the Western servers. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're gonna, I, I actually think that will happen eventually because Tencent does have the rights to PUBG now. And I think they're going to roll out their own servers, their own service so that uh, the mm -hmm. Chinese plague will finally be lifted. Take, take a look at this, actually. Uh, PUBG is dominated by Chinese players. It's actually a, a chart from Bloomberg based on SceneSpy. It says China number one. <laughs> the folks at Bloomberg have some good uh, good humor there. Name it China funny. number one. That's pretty funny. So look how many people are playing this game in China versus the rest of the world. And look at the U.S. actually on that list. Wow. The U.S. is like 2 million people, and China is over 10 million for this game. Right around 10 million. Actually, that was, insane. there was a in, in, in an interview, uh, Mr. Player Unknown, Brendan Green. He was asked if you if, if Blue Hole was gonna basically segment the Chinese players, and he said no, it's not fair to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was being totally honest. I think the main reason they don't want to do it now is because I think it would actually slow down how fast you can find matches. Because, like you said on this chart, U.S. has two million players total, mm -hmm. and that's you know that's a sliver of their total population. So I really think um, they're worried about you know. The, 
the player base you know looking a lot smaller if they just you know, get rid of China. Yeah, because they would have to rework their queue system. Because right now in PUBG, you can play in third person or first person, two separate queues, and each of those queues has multiple separate queues as well, including solos, duos, tri queues, and squads. So yeah. now the tri queues, I believe, are the newest ones. Yeah. You can play in squads of three, and there are separate queues for that as well. And the game can do that because it's such a large player base. Again, thanks to this huge player base in China. Yeah. So I, yeah. So that's, how many queues? That's, that's eight different queues, right? So mm-hmm. if, if there's two million total players. Now that's not. It's just. No, it's not concurrent, just total players in yeah. the last two weeks. If you split them among eight queues, you know, some of those queues are going to take a little longer than they currently do. Now it's instant. You know, everything I've done has yeah. been instant, no matter what time of day it is. What I find really cool, there's an article on Bloomberg about uh, cheating in PUBG as well. What I find interesting on that article is that a battle eye has banned 1.5 million accounts so far for cheating, which is a whopping 6% of the total community. 6% of the entire community was banned for cheating. That is insane. Like, so... I still don't understand what is the why even cheat in these games. It kind of it completely defeats the purpose of playing any of these. Like, I don't see the appeal at all. I've thought about that, and it, it kind of brings me back to my high school days. Here's a fun story, guys. Omar and one of our friends, I think it was Hyun, they uh, they were playing Counter Strike together, and then I think one of these two asked me, "Hey, Aaron, can I borrow your account?" I'm like, why? I want to play Counter Strike with Omar. I'm like, okay. So I let him play my account, and these two are playing. I'm like doing something else, and the next day. I try to play, you know, a different Steam game. It's like, you've been VAC banned. And, and that was like one of my, I, that's a serious account. You know, like I, <laughs> I got so pissed at the time. I was like, you know, I was like, what the hell? But so much, people do cheat them, right? Why don't you, why don't you answer that people, question? Why, why do you, why do you feel the need cheat. to cheat? I cheated once in high school on, on a throwaway account called Bill Cosby. And it was the most hilarious uh, hack in the world because it was so obvious that like your character would like, Literally, we it was literally for like an hour, and I didn't get banned while while cheating. I got banned after I closed the game already. I think we did it for an hour, and then we quit. I'm like, this is gay, and then we went back to playing normally. So I did cheat for an hour when I was in high school. Yeah, this was Counter Strike 1.6. Even then, even yeah. in one, even then, I really I, I questioned. Okay, this was like fun for like this was laws for like like literally 20 minutes, and that was it. But people like for six percent of the player base, cheating is pretty insane. And to go back to that. A cheat hack for a minute. So the hack he's talking about is in 1.6, and this was like the most blatant hack. Like your your character would walk around like this uh, while you were while you had the hack active. It was amazing. And everyone could it see hilarious. it. Other players could see you just going like this and getting insta headshots through walls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> oh, where were we? Oh, Fortnite. Fortnite. Okay. Cheating, cheating, and uh, and PUBG and Fortnite. So. I think a question for you. I, I don't play Fortnite much. I have tried it, but uh, for, if anyone out there does play it, does it have the same problem with hackers? From what I understand, this game is not out in, in China yet. Well, maybe that's why there's no hackers. Yeah, less hackers. Yeah, exactly. It's not out in China. I think you mentioned before that cheating was a part of Chinese culture. Maybe you want to expand that a little bit because I think most people probably haven't heard that. Yeah, I've read a few uh, stories about this. Uh, like Daniel Ahmed guy on Twitter mentioned mm-hmm. it too. In China, they have a much different attitude towards cheating. Actually, Brendan Green himself, in a in an interview with uh, the H three H three podcast, mentioned this. In China, cheating is like is a much more acceptable thing. It just it's it's, it's considered like a hustle. Like you got ahead, you know, you tried harder. Like if you cheat, it shows like dedication. <laughs> you tried harder. <laughs> you tried harder if you cheated. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like don't hate the player, hate the game, and and the game involves cheating. <laughs> like get, cheating is part of the you know getting ahead. And if you get caught, you you, you took the chance. But uh, it's not like mm-hmm. they don't look down on you for that apparently. The same way they do in America. That's so weird. And I've heard from people that the, that the business in China, like the, the, this culture kind of goes to business as well. 
companies will always say, yeah, we can do it. We can do it. No, no problem. No problem. One week, we'll have it done. And they just, they, even if they can't do it, they can't say no to like a business offer. Like they'll always say they can do something even if they can't. Yeah, I mean, this happens everywhere, but uh, at yeah. least in America, the ethos, like the, the ideal is, you know, under promise and over deliver. Whereas in China, <laughs> it's no matter what the client asks, Say you can do it twice as good and twice as fast and twice for twi you know, half the price. Half the price. And then you <laughs> and do miss all those targets. Like, it's more like a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. If they can get like a deposit from you for like $3,000 for like a million dollar contract, they're happy to take that 3000 and run. That's 3000 they didn't have before, you know. <laughs> so it's just a different, I, when we have a friend who does business in China, he's like a factory and stuff. So he, this isn't like just total racism. This is like, we have firsthand experience of how awful it could be uh, to do business in China. 4chan posts on the Chinese. I'll have to look at that green text later, Chaos. It's a bit lengthy. Bit yeah. of a wall of text. But to, to quickly wrap this Fortnite, um, we actually gave Fortnite our um, Clone of the Year award for 2017 uh, for how shameless of a clone this was. So, And the reason why is Epic Games, the guys who made Fortnite, are actually the guys behind the Unreal Engine. And uh, PUBG uses the same engine. And uh, PUBG was saying how they worked hand-in-hand -hand with Epic Games on how to optimize the engine for this genre. And they mm -hmm. thought they were doing it because, you know, they were a customer of Unreal. You know, so like, you know, you work with your customer, you know, if you're the provider. But uh, Unreal Epic Games took all the lessons they learned, you know, the optimizations that uh, PUBG made, and they rolled it into their own game. Um, so it, it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a, you know, controversy there. But uh, luckily, um, all the edits and updates they're making to the engine to support Fortnite will be available to everyone else making all kinds of games on Unreal in the future. So that's great. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, it also kind of shows the success of just pivoting. Like Fortnite as is was just was not very big, right? They had this, you know, entirely different game basically. Fortnite Battle Royale is what really got 2 million concurrent users. The red the other game is like nothing. I mean, it yeah. just shows that if if you see something big, just grab onto it, you know. There's a lot of money to be made, big audience to be made. Just grab onto what's working. Paladin has proved it with uh with a free to play version of Overwatch. PUBG has done it with Fortnite. And it just it just shows that it works. You know, they're, they're making a killing off this. Yeah, and, and, and uh, the sideline is a little. D1U12NO says, so if I get a wife from China and I cheat on her, she'll be okay with it. I don't think so. But in China, there's a big culture around keeping mistresses in like a separate apartment. And obviously the wife won't like it if she catches you, but it's definitely more acceptable than I think in the West. Mm -hmm. That's always fun. Pretty crazy. All right, we can pivot to uh, something else now. Um, talking about good pivoting. Big news came out this week for Chronicles of Illyria, a game we've uh, been a bit critical about. But uh, it's worth mentioning because um, they actually just announced that this this last week that they're, 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 they're losing, they're getting rid of the Spatial OS engine. So I'm going to share, share this article. And it's actually pretty big news for the game, for people that actually like Chronicles of Illyria. People are hyped for it because uh, they cited financial viability as the reason for not using Spatial OS anymore. But what makes this kind of, uh, I guess, a big setback for them is back in the original Kickstarter, they actually quoted as saying um, that Spatial OS was um, such a big part of the game. It was touted, it was the fabric that our game is built on. and was touted as being one of the core technologies that would allow the game to achieve scalability. This further uh, reinforced my idea that this game is never going to happen. So uh, I'm, still, I'm still negative on this game. But this is also, uh, this is definitely not a good sign for the game. I think this, you know, they said they have an in-house in, in solution now. But yeah, I think but they, uh, if you read between the lines, I think what this is is a massive scale back of, of what what you know, the game is capable of. Which, not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It does mean the game might actually come out, but it obviously won't do the things it says it did. Um, mm -hmm. 
So it's like a, it's more like, I think it's more likely to come out. It's just more likely to suck too. But, you know, because this whole spatial OS thing, um, it's a brand new engine. There's, I don't think there's any actual games out that use it yet. There's one other big one that's under development, um, World mm-hmm. Adrift. And I know you've played it. It was a buggy mess, right? Laggy, buggy. Yeah, it wasn't very big. It wasn't, I don't think any big game uses, uh, uses this engine, spatial OS just yet. Yeah. So, think, uh, yeah. I, I, I think it's a massive scale back of, of the features in, uh, Chronicles of Valeria. They're still did they didn't update their release schedule. They still say 2020 for a launch. Some kind of voxel uh, alpha test is scheduled for the first half of this year, but it's it's you know, it's, it's a voxel version of the game, or at least some of their engines. But uh, an actual release, some beta test will happen in 2019, and release will happen in 2020. I'd love so to I'm show still, you guys. Uh, not on this one. I'd love to show you guys a gameplay trailer while I talk about the game. But you know they might copyright mm-hmm. strike this uh, yeah, yeah, podcast. No, we we, these guys are assholes. Yeah, but actually. Right, we got to put it back for a second because I found an amazing article when you mentioned the Chinese uh, cheating thing. Mm-hmm. There's actually a service in China that's becoming increasingly common. A New York Times article about mistress dispellers. Have you heard about this? I, I have not heard about this. What is this? Okay, so in big cities in China, actually, if, if we just read out the first uh, paragraph, it's, they, they, they do it pretty well. Use All your soothing right. voice and tell us. When Miss Wang, a 39-year-old from Shanghai, discovered texts on her husband's phone that suggested he was having an affair with one of his employees, she was distraught. I couldn't sleep at night and couldn't stop crying, she said. I was very hurt. She decided to take action, though perhaps not in the expected way. Rather than confronting her husband, she searched online for a, quote, mistress dispeller. <laughs> mistress dispelling services, increasingly common in China's larger cities, specialize in ending affairs between married men and their extramarital lovers. So instead of leaving him, okay, instead of leaving the husband, she tried to make the other woman go away, right? Is, is, is that yeah, fair? Yeah, it's, it's, yes. But that's what the service does. The service get tries to end that extramarital relationship. That's amazing. So yeah, <laughs> like in America, right, or Europe, the first instinct of the woman would be to to leave, you know. But or, here, or tell, confront the husband. Yeah, but here it's it's you know it's the other woman's fault. It's not the husband's fault. It seems you know. Mm-hmm. It's just a weird. It's so world. weird. Yeah. For a fee that can start in the tens of thousands of dollars, they will subtly infiltrate the mistress's life. Winning her friendship and trust in an attempt to break up the affair. So it's so bizarre that look, they're not, they're not, the way these services work are pretty intricate. They will they will try to infiltrate the mistress's life, winning her friendship and trust in an attempt to break up the affair. It is absurd. It is really weird. It's it's an interesting service, uh, but uh, the name Mistress Dispelling just sounds like dispel magic, you know? You can spell their casting. <laughs> It sounds so it's silly. Like, like, the, the mistress is actually like a, like a wraith that's cursing the husband. You know, you got yeah, you, have, you have to in, do the right incantations to make it go away. You got, you got to dispel it. <laughs> and uh, this this is the article, in case anyone's curious. It was I thought it was a, it was a good skim. Oh man! But yeah, it's it's a real real service. Interesting stuff. You guys are born in the wrong country. If we if we were in China, we could have more mistresses. And then it's, it's, and then it's <laughs> the wife's responsibility to make the mistress go away. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's pivot again for a second. I want to talk about your favorite topic, mobile games. All right, oh, mobile games it. right here. Take look at this. Look at this graphic for the. These are the most highest grossing companies by uh, by look at game revenue. There's one number, one company that I'm pretty surprised by. All right, let me can, see uh, what surprises you. Um, uh, no, uh, which one? I'm surprised. I don't. I don't know. Uh, Sony. Because literally, Sony's only really big mobile game is Fate Grand Order, and they're able to make enough money for Fate Grand Order to be one of the the ninth highest uh, revenue generating game company. 
in, wow. in the world. And, and again, that's basically off entirely fake grand, fake grand order. A game which I, I don't quite see the appeal of. I've tried multiple times, tried to get into that, but it just, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I, I got a few buddies still playing that. I, I don't see the appeal personally. I, I, Tencent just has so many games, I feel, that they're on the top. Yeah, NetEase also probably has a lot. Supercell has two biggies. Um, People don't really know about NetEase in the West, but they're, they're, they are the second biggest game company in China. They're like a $40 billion, $50 billion company or so, about the size of Blizzard. They have um, In the West, they have like two games, Crusaders of Light. I, I did a first look for it. I thought it was kind of okay. It had this very wow aesthetic. They have that, That's probably the biggest game, Crusaders of Light, right now. Have you played Fate Grand Order again since... Uh... Yes, I have. What is, what uh, is your thoughts? I don't know. I, 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 I actually specifically went back because they released Jack the Ripper. We got to show Jack the Ripper again. Oh, my uh, God. So in this game, in Fate Grand Order, there's a, they base their characters on like historical uh, figures, right? So you have like Gilgamesh. You have like uh, King Arthur. And there's a character called Jack the Ripper, all right? And the Japanese interpretation of, Faith, of, of, uh, of Jack the Ripper is not really the same as I would say the Western interpretation. And let me let me let me show you what the Japanese interpret Jack the Ripper as. Wait, so is this? Wait, I'm I'm watching a trailer while you're doing this. Is this a turn-based game? Is this like a card? What is going on here? But you, you you don't show this game. They're anal about uh oh my copyrights. God. Oh my god. Yeah, get out of there. Get out of there quick. All right, go out, go go. Out. Get out. Don't show that. Ah. All right. This is Jack the Ripper, guys. She's barely wearing underwear. Yes, that's just the way I like my lollies. She is literally uh, a lolly in this game. Yeah, I don't know. This this is not my cup of tea. That's all I can say. It's just weird. Uh, I went back and I tried. To, she's a five star in the game, and five stars like one percent chance to drop. And I had like a hundred of the premium currency because you get currency for events and shit. So I, I say I, I played, take up my, my my currency, and I couldn't get the Jack the Ripper lolly. So I'm like, fuck it, I'm K done. Chaos Shield wants to know what is uh, asking for us to look at Japanese Thomas Edison. Do you have that one handy? Oh, I will, I will, I will, I will. Like, this, this is this is quite good. Jacqueline the Stripper. Yeah, I mean, maybe Jack the Ripper just translated poorly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is here. This is actually this is this is actually even a better one. This is this is what the Japanese view Thomas Edison as. No joke. No meme. This is actually what? it. Well, you know, it's basically uh, if Thomas Edison was uh, was look, Iron look at Man. this picture. If Thomas Jefferson was Iron Man, uh, maybe this would make sense. Thomas Edison. You can see light bulbs. Oh, on Thomas Edison. My bad. My bad. Yeah, look at the look at the picture on this one. This is really it's really something else. This is how the Japanese view Thomas Edison, guys. I mean, talk about cultures, guys. I I really think uh, like China, uh, Japan, America are just such a different like world. Like we see the world so differently. I think it's underplayed actually these days. So 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 what you're saying is when we when we look at people, we see like people, right? Humans. Yeah. And when a Japanese person looks at people, they see anime characters. Is that, Ex what, is that what you're saying? Exactly. Like they they view the lens in anime. Like you know what I'm imagining now. Like in a high school classroom, uh, they're learning about the history of electricity, right? But their textbook mm -hmm. is like a manga book. It, it is actually yeah, like that. Exactly. So they, they turn to the page with like Thomas Edison and Tesla, like AC DC battling. And then this, you know, on, on one side is like uh, Edison is a lion. On the other side is Tesla is like maybe like some like uh, lab coat wearing like evil scientist from an anime. And like they're just like dueling. <laughs> I, I actually think that their actual textbooks do have manga. There are there are versions of textbooks that are actually academic. And they're just they're, it's manga mangified. There you go. There's actually Francis Drake as well. Let me see if I, oh wow, uh, I can I I am more interested in who Francis Drake is all of a sudden. Altai, can you see why? 
Wait, why are they making them? Why are they flipping the genders? I don't understand that part. Like, why is Thomas Edison not like a woman? Why? Why is Francis Drake and Jack? He could be a woman. Did you just assume that Wolf that Wolf's gender? I guess I did. Yeah, you were right. Guys, I, I, I am much more interested in uh, who Francis Drake is and his history now. Oh my God. Other pictures. Here. Oh my. This is this is fake grand order, guys. This is why Sony is the eighth highest mobile game generating company in the world. All right. This game is making bank. Well, there it is. <laughs> uh, Tencent actually owns Supercell as well, so they own the number one and number three spot. I'm surprised Mixie is still on that list as number five. They're the ones that make that pinball game in Japan. I forgot what it's even called. Have you ever played that? Monster Strike? Yeah, yeah, Monster Strike. There's anime for that too. Really? I played Monster Strike for like three seconds, and I was like, what is this? Uh, I'll try to find, find I think we have a trailer for it uh, on the site. Uh, Sleepy Strike. I've never actually played. I've never seen Heroes of Mecha Storm. I've played a lot of Heroes of the Storm, though. It's the most anime thing ever. I'll have to check it out. I'll check it out in the post game. Alright, so this game, guys, makes like hundreds of millions, if not billions, a year. It's basically yeah. like pinball with, not pinball, but like, I don't know what's going on. Stuff is going on. Good things are happening. There it is. Mm-hmm. Anything, anything else? Any other topics of discussion here? That's really the that's really the big stuff. We we, we got most of it. I think uh, maybe we can end with a, a quality meme. Let me go and right. find that. To, even though we've kind of been sharing some memes already. Here, this is this is a good one. I shared with you earlier on uh on PMs. There, I dropped it in podcast chat. This is titled um when uh oh, yeah. when somebody who buys a founders pack goes into your party or something for more PGs. <laughs> when somebody who pre-ordered the founders pack joins your party. I think it's great. This guy's got the epic skin going. <laughs> All right, you know what? I have a story we can end on. A real MMORPG story. All right, let's hear it. It's a little depressing, but it's also a little uplifting. All right. Let me open it up. Okay, so there's a sci-fi MMORPG called Perpetuum that I'm sure very few of you heard no of. No one's heard of. I'll play the trailer here while I talk about it. Basically, this game is shutting down on the 25th, you know. So it's going to be gone, but not really. The guys behind it, one of the devs, uh, he says he's going to host it uh, off and on on, a, on his private server. And it's still going to be available for sale on Steam for 5 bucks, where they'll have a dedicated server mode, which means basically it's like a private server. You, you play single player by yourself. So what this means is basically, even though the game is shutting down, it's going to be, for anyone who purchased it, it's available just to like see what's going on in the world. Like to see... So the, the world will never be like disappear. You know, you can always see what this game looked like. You can walk around. And I think it's such a good way to do it. There should be so many, like even bigger studios than this, right? They shut a game down and it's just gone. They don't allow private servers. They, they don't release like the code or anything. Where, but with this game, at least, you know, years from now, if you have the game on Steam, uh, you have the files, you can just kind of walk around the world by yourself. And I think it's a good way to do it. It's a good way to send the game off, you know. The world is not lost forever. Exactly, exactly. I agree. I mean, it's nice. But that's really the case. They just shut down and disappear. And it's, I think it's more possible with a small company like Perpetuum, like one or two guys own the game, and they can just choose to do that. Where bigger companies are dealing with a lot more, uh, a lot more legal bullshit. Like they have to write it off, and or they have to fully close the game to realize the loss or something. If they keep it running, maybe they can't depreciate it. I don't know. Some weird accounting mumbo jumbo. Yeah, yeah, but I, I really think it's kind of like disrespectful to like the community and just history in general like for archival purposes i really feel like these these games and these worlds should be at least you know stored somewhere 
even mm-hmm. if they don't want to run like the uh, online part of it, at least allow you know people to download it and just walk around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, anyway, I, I thought that was a pretty good story. Uh, it's, it's shutting down, but at least uh, it's not disappearing forever. All right, that's nice. All right, and with that, we should take to the post game. We can talk a little bit about uh, a little bit about Hyper Universe, which launches tomorrow. We'll see if, what you guys think about it. Spoilers: I think it's going to fail. All right, well, we will discuss that more. Thank, uh, thank you for watching, guys. Later for you. See you later. Peace.